Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. How many are glad you're in church this morning? How many really believe Tree of Life Church is a happening place? It really is. As you saw, Pastor Don and Miss Jessamy have been away in uh, Mexico. Uh, in fact, Pastor, those who may not know, Pastor Don's brother Jeff started that church in Mexico about five years ago, and they're just blowing up in growth and doing a great work and, you know, sharing the gospel and purity of heart. It's just great to see. In fact, Pastor Don's brother Jeff is going to be here sometime soon on a Wednesday night preaching, so um, we'll make an announcement of that. Avail yourself to that. It's always good to know your sister church because it is our sister church and birthed from, uh, if you will, the, the heart and, uh, and generosity of this church. So how many know that's important? Amen? Just a quick announcement, if you would, before we get into our word. I'm excited for our message. Um, it's just, you know, how many just love God's word? Don't you just... Ah. But there's a really neat thing going on with our children's ministry. In ECM, ECM's uh, abbreviated for Early Childhood Ministry. And they have a really neat creative idea. It's called a baby shower. How many ladies love baby showers, right? All ladies, and all ladies said amen. Um, But they got a really creative idea for a baby shower for the ECM, the Early Childhood Ministry portion of our tree kids. And that's to uh, create an opportunity for you and I to be able to support that ministry in the various equipment and goods and things that they need. How many know babies are needy? And all mamas with babies said, amen. Well, our babies here are needy, and that's important ministry. And how many know it's not a babysitting service? It is a ministry. So that when little Bobby or little Susie are getting their diaper changed, they are hearing the word of God. They are getting prayed over. Um, How many know that's very important? Even as an infant, the word of God is an incorruptible seed and it's going into the hearts and minds of those precious, uh, precious uh, toddlers and infants. Mom and dad, you gotta be thrilled over that because the enemy is trying to get other things into them that aren't good and you bring them to church, they get the word. So that's what these little bow ties are for. Avail yourself to that. And let me also share, if you're not serving anywhere or you're considering maybe changing where you're serving, but especially if you're not serving, go over or out to the Welcome Center, I should say, sign up for Tree Kids. Listen, you don't want me to sick our, our, one of our elders, Paul Krause, on you right now, because let, let, me, let, me, let me tell you something. To be able to influence a child, and I know this sounds cliche-ish, but it, it's not meant to be because it's Bible truth. One of the only times you're going to see us telling the children ministers, you don't mind me taking a few minutes to share this, do you? I'm, go- I'm going to anyways. But uh. <laughs> Oh, Pastor Trisha's here. That's here. She's like, come on. I was telling the, the tree kid ministers, you know, the ladies that, that minister there, and I was saying, you know, the only time you're ever going to really see Jesus talk about getting violent other than when he's in the temple whipping everybody, so to speak, because they just had the wrong motive with money was when it came to kids. And I just envisioned the scripture where he talks about if you stumble one of these precious little ones, 
maybe just tie a millstone to your neck and just throw you in the lake. I mean, that's pretty provocative for Jesus. But I envisioned him with just a bunch of kids just jumping all over him, messing his hair up, and he's tickling them, and, he, and they're tickling him, and he's just playing with these kids, and he looks to the religious leaders especially. He said, don't you dare stumble one of these precious little ones. Let's translate that to our day today. What that means is, especially to those who are leaders in ministry, especially pastors, what Jesus was saying is you better have a pretty amazing children's ministry in your church. That's translated. You could get excited over that because that means we have the very heart of God because we have a pretty amazing children's ministry here. So I could just imagine the heart of God and the smile of God on his face for Tree of Life Church because we are taking serious the ministry of our precious little ones. And you look smart to me. From here, you look pretty smart. You want to get in on more of the blessings of God? Go minister to those kids, please. I'm begging you, sign up. Sign up. There's different ages. You, maybe you're not into the infants. There's older kids. Maybe you're like me, the older kids. Yeah, that's all I'll say. I'm better with the infants. They listen. Not. Sign up. Would you do that? And it's not a, they need your help. We always need help. Come on. It's the kids that we're after. Amen? You ready for the word this morning? If you need notes, you're going to need your notes. Raise your hand nice and high. The ushers are right there in the aisle. And if you were here last week, men, what I say, don't let your wives take the notes for you. Be a man. Take your own notes. <laughs> right, John? You gonna back me up on this, Big John? You got that, brother. That's right. You don't let his wife. John, do you let your wife fill in your blanks? Huh? Brother Dave, do you let your wife fill in the blanks? <laughs> brother, brother Paul, senior elder, a man of God. Do you let your wife fill in your blanks? Not no more, he says. <laughs> Amen. How many know it's good to be a man, men? <laughs> if you have your Bible, we're going to look at a different scripture other than what's on your notes. We will read the Philippians 3.15, the text scripture on your notes. But before we get to that, there's a portion of scripture I want you to read with me. If you have your Bibles, open Ephesians chapter two. I need to premise the message with this thought. So if you wanna write this down and study it a little bit later, it's gonna be Ephesians chapter two, 19 through 22. But we're gonna read it now. It's in the New King James translation. I'm gonna read it from. In these portions of verses 19 through 22 in my Bible, it's entitled Christ our Cornerstone. Everybody say Christ our Cornerstone. Verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief 
cornerstone. Mark that in your Bible. If you have a Bible app electronically, learn how to highlight. It's really good to highlight. What's really neat is you can, you know, favor your certain verses and stuff in that mobile app. But if you have your paperback, mark it. If you have a, a Bible app, try to highlight cornerstone or chief cornerstone to be exact. Verse 21, here's what I wanted to get to. In whom the whole building being fitted together. Then it grows into the actual temple of the Lord. Some don't know this, that's why we're teaching it. Some of us have forgotten this. But it's a premise to what I'm teaching because it's extremely important that I share this so that we can continue in this series that we started last week. Especially because some of the conversations I had last week with folks about goals and so forth. See, this scripture is telling you and I that this tent that we're under, and this is what our sanctuary is, it's a tent. This building is not really the church of God. God, God don't even come close to thinking that this actual building that we walk into is the church. It's just a building that houses what he's building, his true church, that's you and I. Now, it says here, in whom the whole building being fitted. See, you're a brick in the house of God. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look like a brick. Go ahead, tell them. <laughs> one of the mom's first service, one of the mom's first service was telling me she turned to her teenage son and said, you look like a, a brick. And he's like, yeah. What'd he say? I'm built like one. How many know that's a teenage son? I'm not gonna tell you what mama was thinking, but anyways. So you're a brick. And literally translated, what that means is this is what you are, because Jesus, remember, Jesus is the corner stone. He's the brick, if you will, the stone that everything's built upon. So every time we come to church like this together collectively in this corporate setting, all these lively stones. If you're here this morning and you're born of God's spirit and you're a true believer in Christ, you are a lively stone that God is forming and molding and growing and maturing. And what God does is he takes each and every one of us who are a lively stone, just like a brick building, and he begins himself, the foundation, he begins to build the tree of life church brick upon brick, lively stone upon lively stone, individual upon individual. And where this gets mucky if we allow it is this. I need you. You need me. We each brick in a building is built upon each other with necessity of each other. The ultimate necessity is the foundation. But I think we understand that he's the foundation, that he's the everything. Most believers, I mean, if not all, should just clearly understand that simplicity of the gospel, that this whole thing's built on him. But we forget the importance of each other being fitted and, and, and structured together. But the essence of what I'm teaching about goals and living a lifestyle of goals as some were communicating and we were discussing after 
part one of last week, this is not a New Year's Eve or New Year's period type of resolution message. You know what I'm talking about? The New Year strikes and we get those resolutions out and we set goals, I'm gonna lose 10 pounds, I'm gonna get out of debt, I'm gonna actually read my Bible. The reason this is not that, there's more to it. See, I'm totally convinced that the devil is slick. How many know he's dumb? I'm gonna prove it to you here in a minute. But he's slick in this sense. He's dumb because he can't create nothing. He's been cursed. But what the devil does, and this is important for you to know in your journey with the Lord, it's very important. Because when he's lying to you, you'll learn that it's him lying. What the devil does is he takes what God has created and he twists it. If you just study God himself, forget us as believers, forget us as the lively stones, the brick of God's temple that he's building, forget all that, just God himself is a God of plans. A God of goals. From Genesis to now, you'll see the plan of God that's been unfolded. From the beginning of man to Jesus on the cross was God's ultimate plan. The moment that Adam messed up big time in the garden, God already had a goal. He already had a plan. God already saw the redemption of man. That's how omniscient and amazing the mind of God is so quick. When your problem comes along, you're thinking, what am I going to do? God says, I already had, had, had the answer. So the enemy will take what God creates and he twists it. That's where I believe the New Year's resolution stuff was birthed. Because it makes us kind of feel good. But can I be honest? Maybe not for you, but I know in my life just the New Year resolution approach to goals and change in my life typically is pretty shallow. Let me prove it. You set the goal, I'm gonna lose 10 pounds, go to the gym. You never go to the gym. Maybe for two weeks. And then all of a sudden, you've gained 10 pounds. You set the goal, I'm gonna read my Bible, because it's the new year. Something new is in the air. And you get a Bible app, or you get a devotion, and maybe two weeks into it, you're done. How many are following me? See, what I'm teaching is a lifestyle that gets to the heart. To live a life of planning and seeing and looking for the future. You're here, you're gonna be there. You're here, but you're gonna be there. Is a matter of the heart. And I'm gonna prove that from scripture. This verse we're about to read in Ephesians, oh, amazingly powerful, because Paul caught the concept of what true Christianity is. See, I mentioned last week for me, and I, I've been using me as an example because I want you to see what I'm trying to say. It's not a matter of just some goals like, okay, like I said, weight loss or this or that. It's a matter of God getting to the heart and the way we think and beginning to transform you into Christ-likeness. That's where that Ephesians chapter two comes in. See, I need you growing up. 
in Jesus. You need me maturing in Christ. See, as we keep maturing and going and growing in the Lord, that builds the house stronger. Because what's gonna happen and should happen, by the way, if it's a healthy church, what should be happening is new people need to be coming in, not even Christians yet, then becoming Christians, now we have babies as scripture calls them. Don't get offended over that, I'm just telling you what scripture says. It's okay to think of yourself as a baby because you know babies get away with stuff, so just go ahead and call yourself a baby for a while and enjoy it. But your day's coming. <laughs> scripture addresses that. It says some are still needing milk and you should be feeding on meat and giving milk to others. But you drinking the milk. Quit drinking the milk. <laughs> Grow up. Who said that? Grow up. Quit taking the milk from the babies. See, how many are getting this? So a lifestyle of goals is spiritual. A lifestyle of goals is true Christianity. A lifestyle of goals is truly the mind of God. It's the way of God. It's the kingdom. Everybody say the kingdom. Amen. Philippians chapter three, verse 15. Look at your notes. Love this, love this. Uh, we didn't get very far, by the way, in first service. In the notes. Shocked, aren't you? But I did make a promise what we didn't fill in and get it get to, I'm gonna translate it into the notes next week. So that means we'll get to that part, but the rest of it we won't. But anyways, no. How many are learning so far already? The rest of you, there's hope. I believe I'm gonna say something I hope to help you, amen? Philippians chapter three, verse 15. So let's keep focused on that goal. How many know focus is everything? I say to believers all the time, broken focus is your demise. You might wanna write that down. I live by that. The enemy will constantly try to break your focus. You speak of a goal for growth in your life. Like I'll give you an example. I, sh I shared it last week openly because I've been delivered. What I once was, I ain't no more as they say. And I shared last week our first two years of marriage and I share that openly because I, I have to share that because I'm gonna show you how down and nitty gritty you gotta get with this. Because setting goals isn't just, like I said, the, the, the surface stuff. Like example, if you set a goal of, of, of getting out of credit card debt or out of debt, your goal, the premise, listen, the premise of your goal is why are you in debt? See, get to the heart of the matter. Why are you spending excessively above your means and your budget? Well, there could be many reasons. Mom and dad, somebody shared that. Mom and dad exemplified that to you. It could be a spirit of poverty and a, a mentality of poverty. There, there's thought life too why we do what we do. Like I said, if you wanna lose weight, it isn't just a fact of losing weight because you wanna look good. It really should be, you know what the heart of the matter is? You're after health. You just want to be healthy. Because how many know God says thumbs up to healthy? 
And healthy doesn't mean you got that 32 inch waist. Oh, those days. How many know they're gone forever? You know what I mean, Paul? But I should be and can be healthy without the 32 inch waist. How many are following me? I think I had a 32 inch waist when I was like six. I don't know if I ever really. Back to your notes, look at this. So let's keep focus on that goal. Broken focus is the demise of every believer, of all success, and of all growth, by the way. Those of us who want everything, look at this, oh Lord. Those of us who want everything God has for us, mark that. Because here's where my heart bleeds. I wonder how many are here right now at the sound of my voice and you really just don't want everything God has for you. Maybe you've settled for what he's already given you. You got salvation, you know heaven's gonna be your home, you've been forgiven of your sins, got a decent job, things seem okay. Folks, that's just the beginning. Man, the first song that they sang about life, an amazing, tremendous life. See, because here's what God has on his mind. Back to the lively stones that each of you and I are. And I need you and you need me and we need each other. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Go ahead, tell them. Because there's giftings inside of you. And when I was sharing a moment ago, I kind of got uh, broken focus, but I'm back. The first two years of our marriage, I shared how I put holes in the walls of our home because that's how I knew to express my anger. Well, how many know you don't build a very good home life and family off of that? Well, I had to go on a quest, a goal. Quit being so angry and putting holes in the wall. How many know that's a good goal? But it wasn't just, that was it, that's my goal. I had to go on an educational quest. I had to find out why in the world can I not, number one, control my anger, what in the world is emotions, because I'm a man, I'm emotionally brain dead. Ladies, it's, you're in church, it's okay to say amen. Your husband already knows it. I had to find out the trigger points of my anger. Why was my anger at that level? I had to go on a quest. It took a couple years of finding the materials, sitting down and opening up to people. Other lively stones, other bricks in the body of Christ who conquered their anger and had an experience called deliverance of it and took me on that journey that they already had. But what if there was not one man of God that ever conquered anger in the church I was in, not one man of God who was a lively stone in the body of Christ ever went on a goal quest to overcome anger, I'd be in trouble. It'd be a church filled with angry men. You see what I'm saying? I need you and you need me. 
But what we need of each other isn't just, good morning, good to see you, glad you're at church, now leave me alone. I need you growing. I need you to be a goal-oriented believer, a goal-oriented, growth-minded Christian. Because I already said it last week and I'm gonna prove it throughout this series. Goal-oriented, goal-minded, growth-minded Christians who are actually experiencing are the happiest. I'm happy. Trust me, my wife's happy. I don't put holes in the walls no more. How many know that's a good home life? I now cry more than I ever cried. I was sharing with first service. I don't know what's happening to me, man. I, I went on vacation with my dad for two weeks. We're up our camp, we have 20 acres. Pennsylvania's beautiful. How many know in the Northeast states? I love Texas, I'm we're, we're committed. But Northeast, Northeast states can be beautiful. And, and we're up our camp and it's just, man, I'm driving on our ATV, our four-wheeler, I'm crying. Ah! I'm driving on the highway, I just start thinking about Jesus and thinking about my wife and life and the ministry here that we're blessed to be a part of and I'm crying. Ah! And then I'm saying goodbye to my dad. Now you gotta understand my dad, ex-steel mill worker, blue collar worker, i never forget the first time I hugged my dad it was like hugging a telephone pole. And my family, you didn't cry. I remember my dad at his dad's funeral, my grandfather's funeral, not crying. Never understood that as a kid. But God's done some work in me and my family. So upon leaving time with my dad to come home, we're on the porch of our, of our camp and, and I'm hugging him, he's crying, I'm crying. The neighbor from down the road, he's a Christian, he starts crying. It's just these, I, I was telling first service, I wanted to call Pastor Rob and say, what's happening? Just crying, man. So we're three men just crying. Listen, it was awesome. I love it. It's better than like leaving each other and grunt. Everybody say growth. Everybody say change. If any of you have something else in mind, what he's saying is those of you who don't want everything God has for you, can I, can I hit the pause button? I don't know why you would not want everything God has for you. I think sometimes when we begin to casually go on the journey of change, a life of goals, a life of transformation and growth, and we start experiencing it, we go, nah, that's okay, that's not for me. See, when I went on that goal to overcome anger, it was not easy, because it's all I knew. If any of you have something else in mind other than wanting everything God has for you, something less than, look at this next statement, total commitment. See, for you to wake up every day and just say it, pray it, confess it, God, I want everything you have for me, that causes your heart to engage and commit. Totally. Just say it and pray it. God will take you there. But Paul, he's bringing a rebuke. He says, God will clear your blurred vision. You, you ain't seen it right. 
You're blurred. And how many know going through life in the natural with blurred vision is not good? Let me tell you something. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. If your neighbor's asleep, just gently nudge them. Go ahead. If going in the natural life with blurred vision is dangerous and not good, in the spirit realm, you don't want any hint of blurred vision. I'm telling you, the enemy will sideswipe you. I'm not glorifying him, but I'm telling you, he's committed to his cause. He's dumb. Matter of fact, Pastor Dave was talking about how he goes about like a roaring lion. Where's Pastor Dave? Seeking whom he may devour. I heard a preacher say this one time. I'll never forget it. The devil's like a mouse with a microphone. That's awesome. He ain't no lion. If he is, he's been defanged and declawed because God stripped him of his power. (laughs) We haven't even got past the text scripture. (laughs) What are you doing to what are you doing to me here? If, If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment. God will clear your blurred vision. You'll, you will see it yet. That's what I feel like in this series, last week, this week, and next week, I feel like that's what's happening. Some of you are starting to begin to get that, that blurriness and you're starting to see life in a little more clear way. You're only beginning, my friend. I had somebody of winter season tell me this morning that means they were elderly and just say, I'm more excited about life and you're stirring me up. I want what God even has in my winter season of life. Come on. I thought, folks, we need the winter seasons of life, folks. Dumb, gray hair winter season, folks, wise. Dumb needs wise. All right. You fill in the blank for you. Now that we're on the right track, look at this, mark that. What's it say? Say it out loud. I tell folks, there's no way a true believer who is living this type of lifestyle that we're teaching will ever backslide. Impossible. 35 years later, been a Christian, 35, I feel like I'm more excited than I've ever been. There's no reason to turn your back on Jesus. But if we're not taught this, we're blurred in vision and our future looks all mucky and murry and blurred like there's nothing to our future. Are you kidding me? Nothing to your future? You're talking about the mind of God. You're talking about the heart of God. You're talking about the creator of heaven and earth. Don't tell me there's nothing to your future. (laughs) There's a scripture, I don't know if we're gonna get to it. It actually talks about that you offend God when you don't live like this. He'll always love us. You can never do anything to stop God from loving you. But to offend God, 
I can't do that. I can't, I can't come here week after week and, and, and get into corporate worship and lift my hands as an individual, though it's corporate, and, 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 and try to focus on Jesus as an individual, knowing that I'm, I'm ripping myself off of the amazing life he has for me because, you know, it's gonna be a little difficult. You mean I gotta put effort into it? I got, like I said last week, I gotta go buy a book. I have to read the book. I gotta talk to somebody at church about my stuff. Yeah, once you get in a relationship with somebody and you find out they're trustworthy, you'll share your stuff. Because it's called the anointing. God has a way of doing that among the corporate body of Christ in a social setting. The social setting of the body of Christ isn't the same as the social settings of the world. I'm not going bowling with Paul Krause, a man of God, because I think he can bowl good and I, or I bowl better than him and I got to show him up. I don't want to go bowling with Paul. In this case, it'd be fishing. Sorry, Paul. I just figured I'd use bowling because everybody fishing with Paul, which I don't like, but I would go fishing with Paul sitting in a boat him and I together and pick his heart and pick his mind. What else you gotta do? Just fishing, sorry. <laughs> How many of you see what I'm saying? Well, now when I first met him, uh-uh. It's the truth. When I first met him, he scared me. <laughs> but that's no more. We're brothers, we're friends. I'll share my heart with him. I'll pick his heart and, 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 and mine. How many understand that's the idea of the social setting of the body of Christ? It's because you're a lively stone who needs to get life from another stone and then from one stone to, I don't know if you could write this as a song, from one stone to another stone, we all are stones. Yeah, you're right, look at Pastor Cody's over there, wow. Wow, Daniel Eric Rose will love it. <laughs> what was I saying anyways? Let me give you one blank, yes, yes. <laughs> I feel so tri triumphant. One blank before we exit, here we go. Think on this, the clearer your goals, the greater your faith. How many have ever, you're leaving work, let me explain this, the clearer your goals, the greater your faith, I'll explain what this means. How many have ever left work, you get ready to get in your car to go home the same way you've gone home a thousand times and you break out in a sweat of anxiety? You don't think twice because you know the route. But how many have gone somewhere you've never been and the directions weren't clear? And men, you know what I'm talking about. We've got to have clear directions. And how many have felt the confusion, the anxiety? Raise your hand, let me see it. How many understand what I'm saying? But once clarity came, of every turn and what you needed to do to get there, peace came. 
that's Christianity. God, you say, Ken had to go on a journey, say, no more anger at that level. Are you crazy? Yep, gotta quit it. I didn't know how to get there. Anxiety. But when I went to the Lord with it and realized omniscient-minded God had the answer, my faith began to grow the clearer my vision came because God in his omniscience showed me each and every step, turn, if you will, that I needed to take to get where I needed to be. The clearer your goals, the greater your faith. Let's end there. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.